On this episode of the Real Life Carry Podcast, I'm joined by the world's number one bag carrier and listeners' favourite, Big Tony. This episode will have a slightly different format than usual, as we'll be dedicating the majority of the episode to carry stories from the past few weeks of our work. It's been a very busy couple of weeks for Tony and myself, and we'll be breaking down all of the groups we carried for and expanding on the major talking points that arose from events. Call it a kind of Bridget Jones's caddy diary. As always, we answer listener mailbag questions, we have a new Bubba Watson Bell End of the Week winner, and we give out our notable mentions. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us on social media or via email, podcast at glorifieddonkey.com. Many thanks for your continued support in listening to the podcast. The feedback has been tremendous, and it's very much appreciated. In the meantime, though, please enjoy this episode. So welcome to episode number 68 of the Real Life Caddy Podcast. This one is called Diary of a Caddy. It's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, world's number one bag carrier, Big Tony, you're with us. Good morning. Glad to be here. Yes, it's interesting. We're doing it in the morning. I've never done a podcast in the morning because uh, I guess you weren't up to it in the evening. That's true. That's true. Uh Starting uh, April 19th, we went back to carrying bags after a year of not carrying bags, thanks mm-hmm. to the world situation, as we all are so familiar. 13 months, actually. Yes, more than a year without carrying, and uh, it's been so busy at the resort, so mm-hmm. crazy busy. There are still some caddies who haven't returned, some who might never return, so it's been crazy busy. So I And of course, you know, the, the year was much lighter in work and involved quite a bit of time off. So it was a financial blow. So I've been trying to work hard, plus they need help. You working hard, though, that could be three days a week, I isn't know, it? I know, yeah, it, it doesn't sound like me. But uh, but actually, I did the last nine days in a row, and I was so exhausted, I thought I was going to pass out on the course yesterday. Mm-hmm. I have never walked off the course except once when I stepped in a hole and like shredded my ankle, and I just couldn't go. But I've never actually walked off the course before, but I thought about calling somebody and saying like just come do the last three holes for me i was so exhausted so i took today off and uh i'm glad of it it's been uh you know it's been a real shock to the system you spend so many years carrying bags you think you're used to it a little time off and your body suddenly isn't used to it anymore mm-hmm. it just takes something out of you yeah not to mention that in general it really is a physically demanding job and uh emotionally demanding too if you're gonna do a good job you have to put some effort into it yeah, well, I think the point we'll make at some point because we're this, you know, we're going to work through this diary of the last couple of weeks of work. Heavy bags, you start putting an extra forty, fifty pounds in your shoulders. There's not, there's no, there's no flat line a golf course. So when you get the bags in your back, you're constantly at an angle. Um, you talked about shredding the ankle. Well, I had a little bit of an issue. The the wife put these insoles in my Echo golf shoes about six months ago. Uh, she loves them. They, they have these kind of ridges along them. Uh, horrible. And it was okay. It was okay. I thought she'd thrown the originals away. Right? So I'm just having to put up with these. And they're new Echo shoes. So for six months I go walking, if I'm doing four caddies like we have, well, all of a sudden you add that weight on the shoulders. And I ended up with six blisters. I haven't had a blister on my foot for five, six, seven years. 
Uh, turns out that she hadn't thrown the the souls away, the end souls. I found them. And as soon as I switched them across, it was okay. But added to that was the shredding in the, uh, you know, unter, unter area, which I had a few weeks ago. It was <laughs> it was like a cheese grater on either side between the thigh and, you know, the hoo-hoo. It was red raw yet again <laughs> and uh, really, really struggled for a couple of days in there. It was purgatory. But um, yeah, we're, we're back. So what we, we normally start with caddy stories specifically, but this one, just because we've been both been back at work literally for two to three weeks straight, I thought it would be a really interesting sort of episode to, to break down each group that we had, the different talking points that came from those groups, and then sort of analyse it and branch off from that uh, and try and create some sort of entertainment. So we're just going to move on to that right now. So for anyone that's familiar with movies, this is kind of like a Bridget Jones's diary, but it's it's more from a caddy point of view. So I'd like to start after the YouTube piece I did in the Masters. I took that whole weekend off and then I had an ex, you know, probably had a week off altogether and I went on the bench. So I just put my name in here, turn up Saturday. I end up caddying for this father's son. And so they're walking. One's playing the tips, one, one's playing gold. And then this, they said it's a four caddy for three, some other guy. I don't know. I think his name might have been Carlos. I can't remember. It's the only time I remembered him, actually, was the first tee. Because he's driving a cart. And that dynamic is... So the father son don't know him. They're walking, he's driving. Poor Carlos got probably... Like, listen, for two years now I've been doing the podcast... And giving players a hard time, uh, giving Bubba Watson bell end of the weeks out, right? <laughs> um, I've got to be honest, I was probably the bell end of the week that week because I kept on forgetting about him. And I was just wondering, has that ever happened to you? That it, tough dynamic, huh? It is. It is tough, but at the same time, no. I'm very conscious of. <laughs> okay. I can never, always count on you for support. Yeah, I'm sorry. It just I I'm always very conscious of who's paid for my help, and actually. In the past, they've asked us occasionally to do to carry two bags and then help the other two people, and they will actually charge those people a four caddy rate. And I actually tell them, don't do that, because if you charge them a four caddy, I feel obligated to help them, and I just can't get to them carrying two bags for the other two players. I can't get to them, so I'm like, just tell them I'll help them as much as I can, and you know, tip me if they if they think I helped them. But uh, because if somebody's actually paying the fee for me, I feel obligated to chase them around and help them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you you chasing? Come on now. Well, I'm Work, not, Mister Workshop. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not moving at high velocity. That's true. I'm not the fastest man in the world, but I'm making an effort. Um, this is something I was very conscious of during the uh, off time, which mm-hmm. you call the uh, pandemic time. I guess is a reasonable word. Uh we often had jobs where we were always forecatting. So we had jobs where we're working for one or two people out of a foursome. And I'm always, I always offer to help, but I always tell people I would, I would mind my own business and let them do their own thing. But if they wanted help, I'm glad to help. But I'm always c- careful to make sure that I show the person who actually paid for my fee that I'm making extra effort for them. I feel like that's important. And of course, I always ask the player too, is it? okay if i help the other people mm-hmm. but uh they probably go that well you're not helping us so yeah you may yeah, as well exactly, try and help somebody know? 
as much as I can actually help things rather than just make things worse and be a hindrance and an annoyance, you know. Like, don't get me wrong, I didn't lose sleep about it. You know, I, I felt bad for 10 seconds when I, but I, I would literally would be walking with the father son down the fairway, they've got push, push trolleys or whatever. And then all of a sudden, this guy's like, hey, what, what about me? And I was like, oh, sorry. Yeah. And there was no way of kind of you know, playing it off. I was like, oh, I have to walk the 40 yards back. Completely forgot him. Um, don't know if he's going to be a listener. Probably not impressed. You know, not perfect. Been doing it a long time, but that is, I just found that quite a strange. I guess I, I wonder if it changed. I can't quite remember. It was a few weeks ago, but I think it maybe went from a, a four carry for two people to three. Uh-huh. It maybe happen on the tee, so I'm expecting to do the two and end up. So, anyway, how did um, he feel about it? I never asked. I mean, well, he didn't look. I think on about the twelfth time that I forgot him, you know, <laughs> his body language told me everything I needed to know. So uh, he he wasn't that impressed. I will say there's something they don't teach you in caddy training <laughs> that uh, when you're doing a four caddy for four, you often have to basically neglect one of the players. Like if three guys bomb it down the fairway and one guy hits it 50 yards, it is not a good use of your time to walk back to that guy. Waste your time in that, yeah. You know, he's 50 yards off the tee. He needs to just hit an iron or a hybrid down the fairway. And uh, now I will go in front of him and make sure I give him a line like, oh, yeah, hit it here. Like I'm actually paying attention to him, (laughs) which I am. But I'm not, you can't make that effort to walk back and shoot his yardage. Yes, sir, you've got 327, you know. Yes. It's uh, you don't purposely neglect somebody, but you have to have your priorities. You know, if you can help three people by going to point A and one person by going to point B, you got to go to point A. Do you know what? It was his name wasn't Carlos. Carlos, I then went the following day with the father son, and we hooked up with another two guys. I think they're from oh, Bay Area somewhere. Maybe oh, yeah, they're in the Bay Area, and one was called Carlos. So it wasn't the, the guy I ignored was not Carlos, but um, I did hook up with with Carlos and on the Sunday we had a great time. Uh, but yeah, these things happen. You know, I'll I'll go over it. Um, well, and uh, we all have days where we're not a hundred percent. I uh, I had uh, a player who was playing Pebble for the first time yesterday when I was so tired that I was thinking of leaving the course. <laughs> and uh, normally I will tell. New people who've played Pebble the first time, all bunch of stories, a bunch mm-hmm. of, you know, this is where this famous shot happened. This is when Nothing. I didn't really tell those stories. I was Done. just too much thinking about how soon can I lay down? <laughs> how soon can I get home and lay down? I was so beat down. I feel bad for him, although he seemed to have a nice time. He was a nice man and I enjoyed working with him, but, uh, oh, it was a bad scene out there. Yeah. I, I quickly then went on to caddy for some guys from, from Oklahoma. Now, this is this is something that's happened. I met so many people from the state of Oklahoma in the last two weeks. It's it's not even it's not even funny. Uh, these boys, the three Mikes and George. So, I actually know George already. Out this, you know. So, I got a phone call. Oh, such and such called us to. First of all, the guy that leaves me the voicemail. I think he'd had about eight cocktails because I didn't. I only just caught what he was saying. Mike Leonard. I call him back. <laughs> I couldn't make the Monday, so I ended up doing the, the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday with the boys. These are four boys, right? The four guys who have been golfing friends. They live in the same street next to 
the golf course that they actually own. It's called Muskogee Golf Club in uh, uh, Oklahoma. And they live in the same street. So they've been playing golf with each other for 30 years. That's awesome. Now, very, very competitive. Combative. Is that a word? Yes. There you go. Combative and competitive for four days. <laughs> um, my boy Johnny Barnes, he had them on the Monday as well. A um, little bit of bad temper, but it, it made me kind of almost a little jealous because I don't have a regular foursome. You know, I'd love to have like a group that I play with every week, twice a week. You know, you imagine getting 30 years out of that. That'd be a lot of fun. You know, and it's we 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 do deal with that quite often, but um, yeah, they they were out there. The boys are in their sixties, right? One of them, still a little little bit of a temper. Okay, we're going down the fourteenth hole. Shanks one. He's sixty five yards out from the green. He shanks one, and he proceeds to then helicopter wing his his club. Now, as soon as he throws it, I can see there's this. He's going towards the fence and the rubbish in the right hand side. And there's a young mother and a toddler standing at the fence. She's probably going, oh, the little, oh, the lovely golfers. Oh, isn't this a lovely sport? Five. <laughs> Missed them by five feet. Oh, man. That's bad when you endanger somebody else. He, as soon as he let go, he said he saw them. But he, he got a hard time about that. Have you ever been much of a club throw tee? Oh, it's funny. I, I am very easygoing and hard to upset as a caddy. But when I was a teenage golfer, I was a bit of a rage monster. Oh, such a foul temper. I, it took me a long time to get used to the idea that no matter how good you get, you're still going to do bad things and you know do stupid things on the golf course. And it's just very, very frustrating. Um, I was a club thrower, bag thrower, club breaker. Um, looking back, I remember playing with my dad and my grandpa. I'm really embarrassed by my behavior. I'm like, I, I think I really actually shocked my grandfather. He had never seen me like that angry before. Whereas my dad had taught me to play tennis, so he'd seen me angry. Although tennis never made me as angry as golf. I think I heard a rumor once that you were actually thrown off the golf team. Uh, not thrown off the team, but thrown off the golf course. Okay. Um, so on the high school golf team. So we're just practice. Nothing significant. Just practice. Uh, but I part of the first seven. <laughs> Part of the first seven holes, which was good for me. I've never been. Uh, I, I tell you what, never I can, been that great a golfer. I can vouch for that to the listeners. That is, that's a miracle. <laughs> part of the first seven holes, I like quadruple bogey the three hundred and twenty yard par four eighth hole. I mean, this is just a nothing hole, and I quadruple bogey it. So as I'm, I'm steaming. I'm so in my own head. I'm just like fuming as i walk it's 30 or 40 yards to the ninth tee uh-huh. i step up on the ninth tee and i don't throw a club i take the bag by the strap and i helicopter the whole bag across the tee <laughs> but i didn't see pulling up behind me in a golf cart was the golf coach yeah get in the cart tony you're done yeah yeah so that was it for me that day uh-huh. i used to always fight with my older brother and he once threw my golf bag up in a tree. <laughs> he, <laughs> he winged the foot the uh, whole set, threw it up. Well, I've stuck. I've seen you guys argue. I can see yeah. that totally. Yeah, I've, I've, yeah. I've, I've, I used to kick my clubs. I'd kick it halfway up the shaft, so it really got a bounce effect. Mm. Uh, my eight iron was actually bent for about six years. Wow. 
So I played bullseye putter, you know, the brass oh, uh, yeah, yeah. putter, a uh, very famous model putter. I've played that for like 20 years. And uh, bullseyes, uh, because of the shape of the hosel, they need a very special shaft. You have to have a special. I think I broke the shaft on that like three or four times. It was a tempestuous, tempestuous relationship. So eventually I, uh, I switched. So I've had a different putter for about... 15 years now. There's nothing better than snapping a club, I'll be honest. That release is, is wonderful, but then there's the, oh, i got to get it fixed now. Yeah, it's expensive. And that's the problem. It's more of a hassle, isn't it, though? It is a hassle, yeah. A real hassle. Um, and it, the day you break your 8-iron, the next day you have like six 8-irons into the green, you know? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, that happened for many years, actually. I, 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 kicked, I kicked it once, got up the 12th hole at Turnbury, and I, and I put a bend in it, and it, it meant I had to aim 25 yards further right. So I did, I, this, this is a true story. I actually did this. I aimed further right. And then I, when I was at Merker in Aberdeen, I kicked it from the other side to try it. And I thought, oh, I'll, I'll flatten it out here, straighten it up, snapped it. I never replaced it until last year. I was playing without an eight iron for uh, seven years. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I, I, know the, I know the feeling, yeah. So anyway, I want, when, when we go to Oklahoma, uh, I'm definitely going to go to Muskogee. Which uh, these boys, I guess the club was in financial difficulty. These lads got together and they actually bought the club. Mm. So um, that's awesome. It's been really good to do a podcast with with the the three Mikes and George um, about you know what it's like owning a golf club. So uh, we then moved on to what well, I'm, I'm going to call these guys KB, Jerry Maguire, and the Boston boys. Okay, they they know who they are. <laughs> um, two days of just absolute. Great fun, laughing, joking. Um, KB is is just classic. You know, he could have a podcast on his own. Um, doubts himself, self-deprecating. Have a great laugh. You can say anything you want to him. And I say Jerry Maguire because, you know, sports agents. And they brought a couple of their buddies from Boston. Edibles, cocktails, mushrooms. I'd never, this is the first time I come across people eating mushrooms in a golf course. I, I've heard of people doing that, but I don't think I've ever seen it at work. Yeah, it yeah. didn't work. It didn't work. Cocaine. Uh, yes, lots of that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the boys were eating uh, chocolate mushrooms and uh, lots of edibles. Great laugh. Just a, a really good laugh. And it's interesting to see Jerry Maguire, you know, be a sports agency, you, know, you just see, have you got everything you need? Have you got everything you need? Oh, you have this, have this. It was a, you know, pat in the back, can I help you out, blah, blah, blah. Sure. Um, would you say it's something we're seeing more and more of, is people coming out here and taking edibles? Yes, definitely. Yeah, it's uh, it's just become a much bigger part of people's lives now. I mean, now that it's legal, you can do it in smaller doses, smaller effects. Yeah, um, you know, there are people who just, they take one every night for sleep. Yeah, I... Uh, I've actually never tried it myself. I don't sleep so good sometimes, but uh, yeah, I, I just I play golf on it. Mm, seems strange. It does, but uh, you know, uh, one of our uh, distinguished former colleagues who has passed away. Um, I'm not sure I ever saw him play a single shot of golf, a single golf shot, excuse me, without being high as a kite. Yeah, you know, I'm talking Tommy. Rest in peace. But, yeah, uh, yeah, the man was was high pretty much every day of his life and yeah well I, i'd love to do a, a podcast with kb and and jerry Maguire. so I yeah know, i bet they'd be fun i know they're listening so uh, at some point we'll make that happen uh next group i had 
guy called Mitch Rigsby, Richmond, Virginia. Uh, he's Buddy Pat, and then they, they, they brought the frat boys. Oh. Now, it, this started me th- thinking about the different dynamics we have with the different groups we caddy for. Every group that comes in is just, you, you can almost tell, you can tell, did they go to school together? Are their wives friends? Are their kids the same age? Do they play golf 30 years together? Is it Straight away, you know, these boys went to college together. Ah, nice. Uh, the content changes somewhat. Ah. Um, Mitch, uh, the first day, and this has never happened. I'm not a drug taker at all. Not you know, not the edibles. I just like the Budweiser. And Mitch, in the fourth tee, I think he says, "Oh, who wants an Advil?" That's so he's behind me, and that's what I hear. So I'm usually ibuprofen. So he just hands me a, a tablet, and I, I throw it in my mouth, and I was like, "Oh." Take a swig of water. And then he says to me, I'll take 15 minutes to kick in. I was like, Advil? He goes, no, Adderall. Oh, my goodness. Yes. I thought, I from behind, I thought he said. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You thought it was Advil and it was yeah. Adderall? Oh. So I'm like, well, what does that do? He says, well, it'll probably make you talk a lot more. And sure enough, I was like laser beam focus. And just me who talks a lot anyway, just dead and shut up. So it's hard uh, to believe, hard to picture you talking more. I know, I know. Well, he, Mitch was there. They were on the uh, little bit of edibles as well. The his his pal Pat and these boys have a wonderful story. They go to Ireland. I'm going to have to try and get Pat to tell this one in person. But it was it was actually in the 18th hole of the last day that he told me this story. He and Mitch were in Ireland. Kinsale, maybe. Hmm. Head downhill par four, and this member wants to play through, so they let him through after they've hit their tee shots. Pat goes up forward, it's a blind green, so it's down below. It's maybe, I, I got the impression it was a little bit like Crail, you know, the first hole at Crail, but it was then, yeah, yeah, it was then uh, blind. So Pat goes down there, and Mitch has hit his drive to save like five feet. And he goes down there, and then he actually just kicks in the hole. Oh. And says, I'll just, I'll just play with him. So Mitch comes down, he's looking for the ball all the way around the green, etc., etc. Can't find it. Then he finds it in the cup. Goes bananas. Starts making phone calls back to America. Phoning his dad. Oh, ace in a par four. He's hugging the members. You know, photographs, blah, blah. Only to be told the next hole. You want the, the bad news or the bad news? You know. Oh my goodness. You, that, that, that's savage. That's cruel. That that is savage. savage is the right word. That that's, is cruel. That's exactly. Well, you know, to get Pat back, he he'd had a little too much to drink and uh, too many edibles and he couldn't find his room on the first night. He ended up having to take twosies in the, in the woods. Oh no. Can you imagine that? Golf resort. You, you get some guys in the woods taking a dump. <laughs> you know, I'm like, really? Oh, it was an emergency. Okay. Uh, there was only pine needles to wipe as well, so you know n- another group on those. They also had a, a buddy with them, and this goes back to what we're talking about. We've just gone back to carrying bags, right? And it's exhausting. I'll, you know, we're talking five, six hours with you know how many miles in golf course? Seven, six or seven usually. Yeah, six. And some of the guys we're carrying for it's closer to eight to nine, maybe back yeah, left. No, right, I've I've mapped it a couple times. Like I did a four caddy once and it was eight miles. That did include walking from parking and back, which is quite a ways where we work. But uh uh yeah, no, it's it's usually it's easily six and a half and sometimes it's eight. Okay, well the Mitch and the boys, they have a friend called Greg. And Greg is one of those guys that lovely man, 
really good good laugh he, and he's he's got a good nature you, you know he enjoys a bit of banter he can take it uh, but he, he you wouldn't want two of them in the group you know you'd only want one okay so carrying bags is the last day and he's got this big sort of like army bag the pings the hoofers ping used to make the best bags ever true the original what is it the original hoofer or no, no, the the hoofer has too many pockets. It's yeah. the the L eight, mm-hmm. the model that doesn't have a a tail pocket. It's the only yes. bag I think I've ever seen without a without a the ball pocket at the bottom center. Yes, that is the greatest golf bag ever made. Single strap, two pockets, done. Well, it's it's a beautiful double strap that you can carry as a double strap, but it also is a single tra- strap. They had the best stand, mm-hmm. you know, the pocket design, like the umbrella design was superior. Mm-hmm. Why? Why change? Why Ping is actively making their equipment worse is a question somebody should ask Ping. Yeah, well, it's incredible they went from that great bag to the Hoofer, which was horrible. And then they went the Hoofer 2, which was even worse. It's like it's every every bag they design, they put more pockets on, they get wider, they get bigger. It's just horrible. Then they have the, the, the straps that retract back and forth into the bag. He's got one of those anyway, right? I digress. And it's heavy. Like, yeah, it's heavy. You know, and I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm, I start going through the pockets. He actually, and I find this, he goes, oh, don't be such a pussy. I'm like, really? You, 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 and, he, and he said he used to caddy. <laughs> now, this is, this is a guy that wears two gloves, by the way, and he's calling me a pussy. So I start going through the bag. The reason he wears two gloves is because he has to wrap tape around his fingers because they get sore and they get all torn up in the grip, you know? So he wears two gloves now. Well, I pull out this Ziploc bag with... No less than eight rolls of kind of medical tape. It looks as if he's just done a crash and grab at the CVS. Right. This weighs at least a pound, pound and a half, maybe even two pounds. And I'm going, when was the last time you used this? He goes, oh, six months. I'm like, why is it even here? He's got a rangefinder in there. He's got two jackets. He's got enough golf balls for a month. Uh, fine. Okay, we'll carry it. And I thought, I'll get my own back on you, pal. <laughs> so, you know, we're out there. I'm, I'm, you know, keep it good natured. Give him a bit of grief. We get down eighteen, and he's. I make sure and, and create a little distance between the two of us. He moves fifty yards ahead. I start pulling his golf clubs out, two at a time, five and a six, because he's not going to use those, you know. Right. And I take a couple of rolls of the tape, and I start wrapping the clubs together, taping them together. <laughs> this is brilliant. This is brilliant. Now the hoofer. You see, this is this is the smart part. The hoofer. When you put the stand out, the clubs move up the way. You see the bag goes down and you can see, say, 12 inches of the, the shaft. Yeah. So I made sure that if he was putting the bag down, he wouldn't see them. So every two clubs got 15, 20 winds, but in two or three different areas, grips, halfway up the shaft, you know. So by the time I got to the green, 12 of his 14 clubs are nice and tightly stuck together, but you can't tell. You see, the way I've done it is really quite smart. So I am very, very happy to say that yesterday I got the photographs from Mitch that Greg had, Greg went to play in a scramble, went to pull a club out, took him out, and he goes, take another club, took him out. So he ends up sending the photos, and then he called me later in the day, he got my number, he says, well played, sir. I says, yes. Light, brilliant. Light in the bags, folks. You know, there's just yes. no, there's no need. What, what do you think a golf bag should weigh, Tony? Oh, like seven, five, eight pounds. <laughs> so we could, 
If you want to spend 45 minutes talking in detail about people's bags, this is the, it's a fascinating issue between caddies and players. This is one of the only, you know, for the most part, caddies are on your side. We Mm -hmm. want you to succeed. We want to be your friend. We want everybody to have a good day. I want to have a good time. You want to have a good time. The only real source of conflict between players and caddies Mm -hmm. is the bags. Mm -hmm. Partly this is not the player's fault. Partly it is because modern golf bag design is atrocious. Modern Mm -hmm. golf bags are so like purposely awful. It's almost comical. It's almost like they're trying to torture people. What you should do, if you happen to be a bag designer and you're out there, buy a Ping L8 on eBay because they still sell them because they're the greatest bag ever made and rip off as much as you can without violating the patent. Because this is the perfect golf bag and there's no reason for anybody to build anything different. Only thing I would say about that Ping bag that isn't perfect is it did not have a drink holder. That's the one thing that modern bags have that old bags didn't have that might be actually useful mm-hmm. but the rest are terrible well, but i'm getting offline this is a minor point that bags are awful but the real problem is is that for most golfers their golf bag is where they keep their golf stuff what's the golf bag well that's where i keep my golf stuff but for caddies that's not what a golf bag is a caddy a golf bag is a place to hold the stuff for 18 holes of golf if you don't need it for this 18 today, don't bring it. Don't bring it. Rain gear, is it going to rain today? If it's not going to rain today, no rain gear, no umbrella. Towels, one towel max. If you have a caddy, you don't actually need a towel. Caddies always have towels. That's the first rule of caddying is don't show up if you don't have a towel. But three, four towels, I, I don't get it. What is that for? One bag tag. 20 bag tags, that's just annoying. Yeah, I'm really happy that you got to play, you know, Ruby Dunes and and all and got your name on your tab. I don't want to chink, chink, chink. You're like a goat walking up a a hill. 20 bag tags. I want to come in. Actually, we'd like to come into work one day with like bolt cutters Uh and just go along the the bag stand, just cutting off the bag tags. You and I worked a a job together, wonderful people, but one of of the players had this big, heavy metal bag tag Mm -hmm. that would like every step I took would... Clink. Clang, clang, clang. Mm-hmm. And it made it hard to move quietly while other players were hitting, so I just took it off and dropped it in the bag. Yes, well, sometimes what happens as well is that bag tag goes in the pocket if oh. you're carrying it on the left side. Horrible. Well, that's true. Sometimes bag tags are like ripping and tearing at your clothes, which mm-hmm. is very annoying. Well, uh, Mitch uh, and the boys, he's, he's pal Dan. He's worth a, a mention. He uh, Basically, the golf got in the way of of his social time is drinking. <laughs> he it's, was, you, if you got to have priorities in this life, you know? Yeah. Uh, but Mitch, the, the boys actually invited me for dinner the final night and then they FaceTimed their wives who were also drinking lots of wine and edibles. And uh, Greg's wife, I think her name is Sarah, was lying in a park uh, looking at the, the sky, passed out in Carmel. I said, ah, i got to go and walk the dog, boys. Can't make dinner. So they certainly they all they all enjoyed themselves. Um, Mitch is a legend, great guy. Uh, he's he's good friends with a guy called Snake. I know from Virginia as well. So that's how they got a hold of us. But uh, interesting dynamic, you know the the those boys, they're sports guys, and then the frat boys that come in and just the, you know, I guess every every single group, every single day for us is different. Every that's, day is different. Yes, and uh, luckily. Uh, most people visiting a resort are in a good mood. Most days are just wonderful. Yeah. Um, moved on to the next group. 
John Stroud, he's the one that I mentioned in a previous episode that I've been getting this kind of like muscle in my throat, jaw that kind of tenses up. People think I'm having a stroke, you know, because I'm trying to stretch it out. Wild. You, you, he had that or you? No, did? I had it and then he told me he gets it as well. Wild. I don't know what it is. It's just something in the neck and you go, and you try and talk. You have to stretch it out to try and stop the muscle from becoming, you know, you feel as if you're going to choke. That's he, very strange, yeah. He was in town, but it was overlapping. So I had to get coverage for his group. So you're getting other caddies. Well, imagine my horror when I get to the sixth hole on my loop. I think I was with Mitch uh, and the frat boys. And I get a text, you know, caddy never turned up. You're like, oh no. Like, do me a favor. And then I'm texting the caddy. I'm now texting him, Black Force, Black Force. Caddy says, oh, you told me the wrong time, which I know, you know, I send him a. A screenshot, but stressful, huh? Yes. Oh, yes. Um, yes, trying to organize other caddies can be difficult at times. It's a colorful group of people. <laughs> Herding cats, I think somebody once said. Oh, I, well, I think we've talked about this before, but, uh, you know, there are people who I think are very good caddies, who I'd be happy to... Sometimes you have groups that want more than one caddy, and they ask you, to, hey, would you organize the caddies? And they're guys I won't bring in just because I, I don't want to sit there right before the tea time worrying that they're not going to show up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's a tough one. Uh, that was, there was a lot of booze in that group as well. The boys are from Texas. Uh, it's kind of funny. One guy dropped out the morning or the night before they were going to fly here. So another guy was summoned at half past seven in the morning who was in at the airport at 8.45. Nice. But in the meantime... That's a real golfer. Yeah, well, John's boss had called his best mate, and he was still in bed. But I guess he never got the message that someone else had taken the place, so he turned still turned up at 9 o'clock the first night. So they actually had 9 for eight, 8 spots. Ah. It was a real smorgasbord. Um, I guess they were like back and forth, hitting shots, and two guys played 9 holes. Very kind of bizarre, but... I, hard because and they're playing out of different bags. One guy didn't have his clubs, so he's taking clubs from different bags. And then he's there's John's like, "Where's my six iron?" I'm like, "Oh, probably in that bag." And oh, it was all over the place. But that's uh, wild. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been in that situation. Yeah, no, it's uh, it was it was interesting. Uh, we then went on to a, a new group. This is when you and I started working. Uh, Perry Farmer. So this is George. George and the three mics. Perry's George's son. When I saw George, I said, "Oh, Perry's coming out next week." He goes. He's an asshole. Like, well, <laughs> that's his dad, right? Yeah, that's his dad. Perry's nice. a good guy, huh? Oh, Perry's a king. Yeah, Perry, Randy, Greg, the lawyer. Rich. And then Rich. Yeah. The was, drinker. That was a fun group. It was a fun group. Fun what, group. You had the boys, them three that was great days, fun. Yeah? Three days, yeah. I did a four caddy for him the first day on the little course. Mm-hmm. Uh, just myself and the four players. And uh, uh, we had fun. We had uh, some good results and some, uh, you know, not so good, but that happens a lot. Mm-hmm. These boys are big into pranks. Randy, this guy Randy, you know, I don't know what age they are, 50? Yeah, that's about right. Oh, yeah, yeah no, they're uh, very close to myself in age, just a few years older, and I'm 49. I thought you were 65. You just look at... Yes, exactly. He loves to play pranks, so he's, got, he's one of those guys with a rubber snake, and he throw it next to the golf cart, and it was fun. But he was trying to catch Greg out, Greg the lawyer, who looked like George Michael, wham. And, you know, George was fully, sorry, Greg, George, hey, George Michael was fully medicated. 
<laughs> and he actually, did he not stand in the snake twice? Oh, the, he put the snake in the cart and he just climbed in the cart and didn't even notice it. <laughs> Kicked it out. Didn't even notice it, yeah. yeah. He was enjoying yeah. himself. Oh, what a great group. That was good. good three days together. Well, the, here, here's one for you, right? So what Randy had done is he, he has that aura gel. So one of his little tricks is he puts the aura gel around the, the, the top of the glass. Around the rim, yeah. Around the rim. And then everyone's walking around, you know, apparently with numb, a numb yeah. face, numb lips, thinking what's happened here. So they're telling me about this. And then what happened was we were a three on the last day. And then we were joined by wee Danny. Remember wee Danny? I do remember him, yeah. Uh, awkward, single. I said to Danny, I says, um, do you have a normal foursome? He says, no, I usually play my own. Yeah. Go figure. Um, Danny was drinking from a protein shake. And I, we had the prime chance on the 16th tee where I said, the protein shake is in play. So I had orchestrated it that Perry would tee off first, then Randy. Randy could then go and and aura gel the protein shake. Oh man! And then, and then Danny's last to hit, so he, he could have had at least forty five seconds a minute, and I'd I'd located the, where the protein shake was. Blah blah blah. And Perry starts going, no, 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 we can't do that, we can't do that. I want all the listeners out there to notice that I was not involved in any of this because they, <laughs> Gordon knows that I would have said, don't do that. That's a huge dick move to do to a quiet, shy stranger <laughs> who got paired with you crazy people. Well, I just, come on, a little bit of fun. It's not like we were, you know, roofing him or something and he was going to wake up naked in the beach. I'm just, it was just a little aura gel. No. <sighs> You know, he, the the pro listen. The protein shake was in play, and he wouldn't have known any different. But you know, Perry he pushed out. Um, we've played wiser golf. heads prevailed. Yeah, well, we've played golf together. You and I, uh, where we've actually been. I specifically, remember a time in Southern California where we were a threesome and then a, a fourth turned up. Yeah, we played with Rick. No, no, Rick was with us. Yeah, no, but the fourth the, dude turned up. Yeah, no, fourth. He was the third, yeah. Yeah, and then I remember just thinking, oh, good, we'll just be the three of us, and then the fourth joins, and you're like, oh, no. Is that, is that every, I feel as if everyone has that kind of, all oh. golfers feel that way, like, oh, no, really? apart I'm, from Danny. You know, I have to say, I, although I don't have a fixed regular foursome, I have groups of guys I've played with for a lot of years. I'm, I'm always glad to play with somebody new. Oh, that's because yeah. you get no friends. Everyone could be a potential mark. I, I always think that this guy might be my first ever friend. <laughs> yeah. I'm almost 50. It's about time it happens, you know? It's, uh, um, uh, we've talked about this before, but uh, one of the big differences between golf in Britain and golf in the United States is yeah. uh, in Britain, they will not pair you with strangers without asking, whereas in the U.S., mm -hmm. it's like if there's an open time, they just put anybody with you. Yeah. And uh, when uh, I went to, I've done a couple trips to Britain, uh, to Ireland and Scotland, and usually went with just one friend and we were kind of bummed you know you're playing 10 days in a row together mm -hmm. and you're rooming together eating every meal together you uh you wouldn't mind playing with a stranger meeting some new people you mm -hmm. know just to have a different conversation every day and they they literally won't do it one one thing that was arisen from that was uh you know i'm going to play a little audio here that i, I got perry to talk about the differences of of you know, caddying for, or having you and me as a caddy and the yeah. differences. So I'll play that just now. 
Okay, so I'm here with uh, uh, Perry Farmer. Perry Farmer, where are you from, Perry? I'm from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Beautiful, right? So we're just having a couple of drinks after a couple of days of <laughs> bad golf. Yeah, yeah, reasonable. Reasonable. Now you've had Big Tony in the bag. Yeah. And you've also had me. How would you describe the difference? Oh, between you two. Yeah. Well, you know, Tony is sweet. Tony, well, he's he's much more positive, and so, like, if you hit a bad shot, Tony's like playing with your grandmother. He's yeah. like, 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 oh, have a cookie. It's gonna be okay. We're gonna find the ball. It's gonna be good. Have a cookie. Cookie right? milk. <laughs> a little cookie milk. Let me let me help you. It's gonna be. Uh, here's a hug. And then you, like, I, I, what did I do? I, like, hit that ball, and it's like, oh, I hope your home insurance covers that window. <laughs> it's like, they're just like, this salt and pepper? Yeah. <laughs> well, now I'm starting to try to talk like you. That's yeah, crazy. Uh, there we go. Sounds good. D- d- different strokes, different folks. I guess. D- yeah, yeah. But you had fun anyway. Yes, I do. But I, I like, I like, I like somebody to beat me up a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I need it. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. You did. You, can I give you this ball gag back yet? <laughs> the head gag. <laughs> yeah, the head gag. Beautiful. Thanks, Perry. You got it. So, what do you think of that tea? Oh, grandma. That, grandma. <laughs> that's classic. You know, it is. It it doesn't hurt me to say this, but I'm a little bit embarrassed to say that is right on. Yeah, that spot is spot on. on. I am, uh, you know, eventually at times I will I will throw a little a uh, little guff at people. You know, I'll, I'll give them a little grief, but uh, for the most part, I am unrelentingly supportive and yes. positive. And cookies with milk. Yes, I'm uh-huh. like you'll be fine. We're just gonna be fine. We're just gonna go hit a different <laughs> shot now. Yeah, you're everything's good. We're having a great time. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I am. Uh, I am a very much a cheerleader. I, f- I feel as if you said I was negative. Now it might come across that way, but I'm actually incredibly positive out there for golfers. Honestly, I am. For the most part, that's true, and you're actually very helpful. Very there's a difference. There's a difference between taking the piss out of someone and giving them a hard time, and then that can maybe be seen as negative. Nah, it's just also it's very honest. And a lot of that, a lot of times, people respond well to that. Aye. It's uh, well, you read the people. What do they need? More useful. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's called banter. You know, you could, sometimes you could, you're like, "Hey, that was great. You did great." And sometimes you say, "That was great." You know, for you, for you, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. If if you tried to give the old cookies and milk where I'm from, uh, you wouldn't last very long. So, uh, thank you very much for that, Perry. Something I will be trying to do a little more of in the, the coming months with uh, players on the course. Now, I hope people are enjoying this because it's uh, the idea was just to sort of go through a couple of weeks worth of the different people we're meeting, the different groups, and hopefully it was interest. You know, maybe it's not. I, th- I think it is. I, I then move on to the next Oklahoma group that I bumped into just randomly uh, at the fire pits one night. And one of them liked the hat I was wearing. Next thing, the following night, we're having a drink. They take us for dinner, nice. and uh, the two mats, Ben and Ainsley, and they are uh, absolute legends. They were out here for a, a three or four day tournament, and we're sitting around having dinner, and they asked me how long it takes to work out what the group's going to be, you know, what, what kind of day I'm going to have, and I said 10 seconds. What would you say? Like, How long does it take Big Tony to work out what kind of day he's going to have out there? Two or three holes. Two or three holes. Yeah, I mean to be, because sometimes your first impression is wrong, but uh, a lot of the time it's right. Um, but uh, I tell you, it's funny. Sometimes it takes me a little while to get used to people's golf game, 
as a, if they hit like one atrocious shot on the first, I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh, this guy sucks. And then <laughs> takes him like six holes of like pars, six pars in a row. I'm like, oh, that was just an aberration. He really isn't that bad. But for the most part, you can work it out within a hole or two. You know, yeah. you can tell whether people want you to joke a lot or they want you to just be quiet. Or mm-hmm. I, I uh, think it, it's almost. I I think it is. It's thirty seconds. You you can start telling from someone's accent where are they from? Do they work for themselves? I can usually tell uh, if if guys have daughters. There's a lot that have a lot softer disposition about them than a guy that's maybe got three sons, two sons, or no kids at all. So I, I just feel as if there's a lot that you've I've learned over the years of how to read people. Um, after half an hour, the boys actually, I think it was Ainsley, he says to me, okay, well, read us. Tell us what you think. So I just went around the table and I went, okay, well, Matt's a really good player. Okay, he's, you know, he's like a one handicap, I guess. I think he made a two on 13. He had two and a par four. That's what, I, so Matt Moore, well done. Anyway, I said to him, He'll, five six holes. He'll 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 be very polite and he'll nod his head and he'll listen to what I'm saying. But it'll take him five or six holes. He'll have to read a couple of putts wrong himself to then trust me. That's yeah. just what sometimes happens. I then start going around the table and then I finally get to Ben. I says Ben, you will listen to everything I say from the, the get go. And they all started laughing because they said you just that you're spot on, yeah. absolutely spot on. So unfortunately, I never got to work for those boys. Ah, oh. um, because I was already booked up. But just another. I I feel as if I need to move to Oklahoma. They seem like my kind of, kind of people. They love golf in Oklahoma. Yeah. So, um, boys, I know you'll you'll be listening. So, hope you enjoy your your trip out here. The last group that we'll move on to, which both you and I worked together as well, was the the Tyler Jones and friends. Awesome um, group. Yeah, they are all from Texas. Tyler lives in St. Louis, but they are twenty year college buddies. Yeah, yeah, they all went to Baylor together. But not the frat boys. You see, this is a college group, 20 years, but they're not getting trashed, you see? So it was an inter- you know, interesting group again, good lads, but the golf is the focal point. They're here for the golf. They're not here for... Yeah, it was a know. fun group. Good guys. Uh, now scattered around Texas and the Midwest, but uh, great fun. Heavy bags, though? Uh, you know, not particularly heavy, but... One of uh, one of the bags I was carrying had was the new ping design, which has a really awkward strap. Was a little annoying, mm-hmm. but ah, uh, uh, I know you had it out with Casey about his bag. I, str- I str- well, I wasn't even carrying. You were the one carrying it in day yeah. one, and they said, "Well, you're going to have the bag tomorrow." He had uh, eight gloves. Uh, I'm from Scotland, right? We will wear a glove until there is no glove left. There's only the Velcro in the top. Yes, I'm just. I, you wouldn't even wear these. You wouldn't wear them in the phone. It's like, why do you, your, your bag is like a Christmas tree with these decorations called gloves, uh, rangefinder on there, two jackets in there, 15 golf balls. And here they go, this is the one that, that hurts me. A hybrid, which on the second day I'm working for him, he says, oh, I hate that. I hate that club. It's like, why do we even have it? Mitch Rigsby, I told him that story. And he said, oh, I have, I have a driving iron, a two iron. I left it in the car at the airport in R- R- Richmond. Because he gets it, it's like, why am I even going to take that? So, it's, number one, it's no good for us as caddies to be carrying dead weight. And number two, it's no good for the player to have something that he's, I don't really like that club. Go and no. get something that works. Well, that's it. You know, there aren't m- many excuses to buy new golf equipment. Golf equipment is good for easily last 50 years if you take care of it. But uh, that is a good excuse. If there's a club you absolutely hate, just 
buy a new one. Yeah, what would your advice be to people then if they're going to go on a golf trip where you know they're going to have a caddy? What, how, how would you prepare your bag? Oh, it's simple. Two things. I mean, if you're taking your bag on a flight, you got to pack everything in that golf bag. Mm-hmm. But what I do is I have everything in the golf bag. When I get to my destination, I take everything out of the travel bag, and then I take everything out of my, my bag and put it in the travel bag in the trunk. So the travel bag is like my golf stuff. Mm-hmm. Like the three dozen balls I need for the 10 rounds I'm going to play. Ooh, three dozen for okay, 10 I'm rounds. Come on, Tony. You know, you know I only go through a dozen. Oh, those. 10 dozen golf balls. 10 dozen, yeah. Anyway, my, my rain gear, if I'm in Britain or going someplace where it might rain, but not California in the summer, it never rains here. But, uh, uh, and then I have basically a, uh, a depot for all my golf stuff because in your golf bag, 18 holes worth of stuff. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. 18 holes worth. And uh, let's talk about some of the things people have in their bags that they need to just forget about. Like first aid kit? No. You're not going on an expedition to the jungle. Tape? You're not opening a field hospital, Greg. You don't need all that tape. Well, frankly, if you have to tape up your fingers, you're gripping way too hard. But if you need the tape, bring a roll of tape. If you are diabetic, you need your medication, bring that. Bring stuff you need, but you don't need training aids. Practice aids, those are for practice. If you're playing, you're not practicing. You don't need your 20 shag balls. You don't need that yeah. thing with the orange ball on the end. You know, the, the, the mouthpiece, the last couple of scenes from Pulp Fiction. Oh. Headgear. You know, that big <laughs> orange ball. Yeah, the warm-up stick with the big orange ball. On yeah, the exactly. Yeah. yeah, no, you don't need that. Or the or as uh, I like to call it, the Perry Farmer. Do you remember, what it was it, the... Uh, what was the really heavy weighted club that people used uh-huh. as a warm up aid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're just like, this is like five pounds of gratuitous <laughs> pain you're you're putting on me. What are you doing? Well, the new one is those guns that shock the muscles. I don't know that. Oh, one. it's it's, uh, it's like a gun. like a uh, oh, it's huge massager like a, type thing. Exactly. You throw that. It's four pounds, five pounds. Throw it in the bag. Oh, listen, Marcos, our buddy, was telling the wife that. He had to go and get a car the other day because someone had a radio. Oh, here, carry the radio. Yeah. Why, why have you got a radio in your bag? So, you know, you, you have the speaker. You have the ra- no re- No need for a rangefinder because we have one. Don't bring a towel. Don't bring a towel. The, the driver head cover. You know, these are very expensive leather ones. You know, everything, you know, has weight. So. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, the, uh, all of that stuff is fine if you're on a cart. On a cart. But if you're carrying the bag yourself, or you having a caddy kit? What one of the ironies of this situation is is so many ca- golfers are torturing themselves because the bags they carry themselves are massively overweight. It's like you should pick up a bag and you should be shocked at how light it is. Actually, if you want to do an experiment, take your golf bag, bring it into your living room, take literally every single thing in the bag out, and take everything off the outside. Put your clubs back in. Put six balls back in, put six tees back in, and pick up the bag. And that's what a golf bag should feel like. Wow, words of wisdom. That's what a golf bag should feel like. That should be what a golf bag weighs. Now, are there some things you need? Yes. If you are fair-skinned or you're very conscientious about your skin, you need a little little tube of uh, sunscreen. That's mm-hmm. fine if you're going to use it. Mm-hmm. 
but I've carried hundreds and th- hundreds of pounds of sunscreen, and I've what I've seen five people in twenty years reapply on the golf mm-hmm. course. It just doesn't happen that much. I did see a caddy once. He was cl- emptying the bag out, and the guys got he's about to put the sunscreen from his bag into the changeout bag, and the caddy went, "No, no, 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 no! Apply it now." Okay, put it back in your bag. We're not taking that. Yeah. There's well, some good stuff out there. I mean, there are people who are conscientious about that, and I admire that because, uh, frankly, you know, the amount of time I spend in the sun, I'm probably going to end up with some uh, chunks cut off at some point. Oh, come on. Oh. But, uh, <laughs> oh, what a lovely, what a lo- lovely sorry, clinician it's true. Thought. It's just part of the job. Oh, but, uh, grand. That was wonderful. We'll, we'll, we'll probably do another podcast at some point. I want to do a video about the anatomy of a golf bag. It was producer Mike came up with that blog once, and we actually want to talk about really. Oh, I could go on and on about this. You can see I'm ranting and raving. Like I said, it's the only issue that produces conflict between caddies and golfers. Well, come on. It's not just the only one. Well, it's the only one. Yeah. Well, you know, I gave Casey a dress down, um, and I'm carrying for his buddy Jared Green today and his brother in law. And his brother-in-law is called Brandon, and I said I text Jared this morning. I says, "Hey, make sure Big Brandon strips the bag." Okay, I uh, I said. carried Jared's bag the other day. He's a good man. Yeah, enjoyed that man. round. Nice, nice little uh, light bag. I Absolute hope, bomber of a hitter. I hope everyone enjoyed that kind of say caddy diary and the way we broke it down to the different groups. Gives you an idea of of what we deal with uh, on a daily basis and 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 how we almost have to manipulate how we do our job. Uh, and every day is different so that's the beauty of caddying what we're going to do now we're going to move on to a very light mailbag uh, notable mentions in a bell end of the week Four. it's kind of a lightish uh, light lunch um, type of mailbag uh, got a couple of things here this comes from John Day uh, hope you're well I figure you and your fellow colleagues have a million great lines to get your opponent a bit off their game during a friendly match what gives you that impression John? Uh, what are your top 5-10 to 10 lines or tactics that I may be able to use against my son during our next round? I'm looking for something a bit more subtle than just rattling chains during a player's backswing. Lately, he's been getting the upper hand in me on the course and desperate times calls for desperate measures. Tony, what would you... Uh, well, I'm not there? I'm not the right person to ask this because I'm like <laughs> a grandma with a cookie. Yeah. You know, I I don't mess with my opponents when I'm playing golf with them, but uh the, the one of the classics is uh you ask uh you ask your opponent uh so do you breathe in or breathe out during backswing? You just give them a subtle little thought that they've never thought about that will completely distract them where they're swinging or why why are your hands trembling at the top? The mentalist yeah, it's just like, but that's really, I would not do these things to an opponent, but no. these are famous like golf stories of people doing these to, to to their opponents. Well, it's funny, actually, with that group, Tyler's group, um, Jared, Casey, David. David's a very good player. Awesome. Good um, man, David. And the, the two days that I was caddying, he was with you. Yeah. So the whole, and a very good player, but the whole time I just kept on. Oh, that's a really tough one. Oh, good five, good four. Yeah, that'll be a good three putt. You know, just little little jabs. But I think the best one, John, would probably be just before he's maybe gonna have to hole a six footer to win the hole or or half or something. I don't know. Maybe just say, "I'm not your father. I'm not your real father." <laughs> That'd be classic. You know, or say, "Yeah, yeah, no, no, you, your mum and me are getting divorced." <laughs> you know, or something like that. Oh, that would definitely mess with them. Yeah. Yeah. I oh, think that's that, that would be classic. Uh, I got another one. I mentioned this guy not long ago, Ross Cameron. 
He's from Dundee, but he lives in Singapore. And he'd sent me the, I don't know why he just sent me the top 10 courses in that area. One hour from Singapore, but not in Singapore. So it starts off Batam Hills. He says it's the hottest caddies and the best massage. That's in Indonesia. Number two, Els Desaru. That's in Malaysia. Just a great golf course, he says. South Links, Indonesia. Best caddies, best value, best bus to transfer from ferry port. Palm Springs in Indonesia. Can you believe that? There's a Palm Springs in Indonesia. Okay. Only course that has some male caddies, but massage girls wear Singapore (laughs) Airlines uniforms. (laughs) Number five, Tearing Bay, Indonesia. That's a Greg Norman course. Uh, Bring your own booze. Interesting. Uh, That's unusual. Yeah, well, you know, Indonesia. Um, Number six, Ria Bintan. Uh, Gary Player course. Beautiful scenery on and off the course. Uh, Laguna course, Laguna Golf. Greg Norman course. Beautiful course, but more of a family-focused place. Uh, Indapuri. Uh, it's uh, great for fun societies to get away with murder. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Frat boys. Number nine, Radisson Resort. That's in Indonesia. No caddies, no carts and course, no massage. Therefore, would be higher, as it's probably one of the best courses. So I actually go. I went from number one to number ten here. So I probably should have gone ten to one. But hey, wow. Uh, number ten, Bintan Lagoon. That's an Ian Baker Finch. Ian Baker Finch. There, it's eight dollars. Eight dollars a a water and no massage, and OAP caddies. Uh, I have to go. admit, I know nothing about golf in that part of the world. Yeah, mm-hmm. I. Uh... Well, apparently Greg Norman likes hanging out in Indonesia. Um, that's maybe where he gets the shark from, he says. So that's the top 10 courses, one hour from Singapore, but not in Singapore. So A uh, good list for future reference. I uh, would, would actually like to visit that part of the world, but, you know, life is short and the world is big. Life is short. Uh, what I would like to say is we have a bell end of the week uh, winner. Uh, hands down, it goes to... Is it our to- dis- distinguished host? No, not me. That was a uh, that was in between podcasts. That, that was of, shocking. You're sort of the bell end emeritus of the life. <laughs> I am the bell end of life. No, I feel sorry for that guy that was the the third wheel of the four carry for three, and I I kept on ignoring him. But hey, life moves on, as you say. Life is short. Let's not not let's not dwell on it. It's Greg. It's two glove Greg. Two glove Greg. All right. The fact that I had to tape somebody's golf clubs <laughs> together to make a point is enough to win him the Bubba Watson bell end of the week. I love the fact that you said had to. Yes. I had to mess with him. Well, of I had to mess with his clubs. Well you know me, you know you've been to Scotland, you know? I have. You don't you don't get away with that kind of thing. There's lots of nice people unlike you in yeah. Scotland. For for every action there's a reaction. Greg, uh you know, two gloves from Richmond, Virginia, you are the Bubba Watson bell end of the week. Uh, I believe Rich is going to be buying some hats. That's actually interesting. Anyone looking for any swag, golf towels, head covers, uh, hats, check out the Glorified Donkey online store. Uh, this whole month, 20% off all hats. So, uh, Big Tony will have to get you fixed up with a hat. What a deal. My favorite hat you've made, the Pyongyang Club Champion. That would be great for the top 10, uh, Singapore, but not Singapore. I guess, they're, you know, it's that kind of corner of the world, isn't it? It's within 1,500 miles. Yeah, it's close enough. <laughs> Uh, notable mentions. Who you got? 
Oh, I hadn't thought about this. Uh, well, I just want to thank all those guys we worked together for. That was great, great groups, and we had a great time. Yeah, yeah. I would. I, I think I, I probably I normally. Have... I normally can't stand working with Gordon, but you know, that was fun. I, I, I've, I've got to be honest. Probably just say hello to you know notable mentions to everyone that was that was mentioned. You know, the boys from Oklahoma, the first, the old boys, the younger guys, Perry Farmer, Tyler Jones and crew, Rigsby. I love it. Uh, great couple of weeks, John Stroud in Texas. Uh, hope hope you're recovering from your hangover. Uh, that was a lot of vodka you drank, but um, yeah, just a, a big, big thank you for for being part of that couple of weeks and and giving us plenty of stories. Uh, now, one last thing, Tommy Coyne. Twice this past week, somebody has mentioned a guy called Tommy Coyne. He used to play with Celtic. I, I was like, Tommy Coyne wrote a book. Turns out he's an author from Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, or somewhere. I, I don't know where he's from. I believe he's from from that kind of area, and he wrote a book, a couple of books. One about Scotland and then one about Ireland. And I had mentioned to you about the book about Scotland. You haven't read the one in Scotland, but you read the one in England, uh, Ireland. That's correct. Yeah, I read A, a Course Called Ireland, a, a wonderful book. Um, if you like to read books about golf, he actually uh, he got a very light golf bag. Kudos to that. He got a light golf bag, and he walked his way around the entire island of Ireland. Ireland? Ireland, yes. All the way around uh, the, Ireland. The entire island. But he um, walked he, from course to course. He walked from course to course, from hotel to hotel. Wow. And played what must have been a hundred rounds of golf. I, I probably should have looked it up, but uh and uh, it's just a wonderful book about Ireland and mm-hmm. uh an interesting trip, a strange way to do it. Like there's a couple strange encounters. Like there's one point where like this huge farm dog like corners him on the road and he's like, What what on earth do I do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh it's a wonderful book if you enjoy travel and if you're thinking about golf in Ireland, he he might be the world champion for having played the most golf courses in Ireland. That's incredible. You know, like yeah. to walk from them, did couldn't even get a horse or something. Well, he did it all by choice. Yeah, he just walked the entire circumference of the island. It's a it's a wonderful book. Yeah, and a great look at Ireland. Mm-hmm. I only had uh, one issue with the book. Early on, he eats the full Irish breakfast, which comes with bed and breakfast at most Irish hotels. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how much he hated it and would never eat it again and uh, why this was a problem. And that just, that was yes. shocking to me because one of the great joys of being in Ireland or Scotland is the full Scottish breakfast or the full Irish breakfast. Which full English. Oh, that is a culinary treat. They don't differ much, do they? No, they're basically the same, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did I ever tell you about the time I went cycling and had two full Scottish breakfasts thinking I needed the energy? I do remember that story, yes. Very, very bad decision. Yeah. That uh, was, uh, was, was bad. Um, one thing you'd mentioned to me a while back was you'd maybe wanted to do a podcast on books. Now, you know I'd, I'd take seven years to read a book. So I'm not into books. Uh, however, I will leave it for the listeners. If listeners out there are interested in Big Tony doing a podcast episode about the top books in golf, please email podcast at glorifieddonkey.com. That's podcast at glorifieddonkey.com. Or contact me on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, the handle is glorifieddonkey. He'd probably pick... F- five, ten books. He'd probably pick about 42, 50 books if he could. Well, as a fair warning for those who are thinking about commenting on this, if you encourage me, I will talk endlessly about books. Yes, yes. No, we'll, we'll definitely limit you to like 35, 40 minutes and, you know, that'll be it. And you have to get them all in in that time frame. Yeah, I so. can come up with the top ten. 
If you, if you Let me we, know if you're interested. Myself and we Neil did uh, one on uh, movies before, which was, was fair play. But yeah, a lot of people out there like books. You know, I, I'm not a reader, as you know, but movies are easier. There's only one great golf movie. Bagger Vance, yeah, great Teddy movie. Shack. No, no, no. Okay. Well, listen, uh, Big Tony, thank you very much for uh, helping out this uh, past or in the, in the podcast and also with uh, the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's been great fun working with you a lot and I uh, hope we do it again. And uh, always a pleasure to be on the podcast. Thanks for listening. Yes, you're. I think you're You're almost graduating from bad carrier to, I don't know, you know, low-grade caddy. You know, I did see improvements. A man can dream. A man can dream. Beautiful. Uh Hope everyone enjoyed that podcast. Please get out there, rate it, review it, please share it. Uh, I'll be back in another two, maybe three weeks' time, probably two weeks, with uh, another installment of the Real Life Carry podcast. Until then, until then even, enjoy your golf, but more importantly, keep it humble.